Hi, my name is Wing Fan. Uh, I am the owner of Anchovies and Salt, Renton area in the greater Seattle area of Washington. Thanks for having me, Ken. Welcome to the Vietnamese. I'm your host, Kenneth Nguyen. Being part of a culture of nearly 100 million Vietnamese people in the world today comes with a lot of pain, proud history, and privilege. Join me as I highlight and explore the Vietnamese experience from all over. Thanks for agreeing to come on. Uh, first off, congratulations. Uh, I've been following your journey uh, through the Viet Leaders Forum. Um, they do a wonderful job of keeping us all up to date with uh, your endeavors at uh, Anchovies and Salt. Tell me a little bit about how the idea of this restaurant uh, came into being. I came to the U.S. when I was 10, and I was fortunate enough to, go, to be able to go back to see Saigon uh, for the first time, kind of with my with my with an adult perspective, right? I left when I was nine years old, and uh, I was really mesmerized by what it was becoming back in two thousand and three. I think I was twenty two years old at the moment, and I just thought to myself, "I was like, where's all of this in Seattle or California?" And uh, you know, I just remember going to like places that was really big, like Lang Nung or uh, Wang Long um, in Saigon, right? And we're just amazed by how much culture we had to share with people. And we knew that in terms of um, what we eat at home, uh, you know, but to kind of see food from, from so many vendors or so many different styles, it was just, it was just, you know, opening eyes opening when when you are young and impressionable, and I always thought that the community, uh, my community here in Seattle, needed something that was like that. Um, I knew I would be there. I knew I would take my friends and family there, and I would be proud to have that in my in my neighborhood or in my community. And you know, I didn't see it coming. Uh, I think it takes a certain um, background. Uh, you know, my parents, uh, my mom uh, is in the restaurant business and she always worked for somebody. And I knew she can cook, uh, but the place that she worked at, you know, is, you know how it is. It's, uh, we offer the very basic, right? The pho, the bun me of the world, especially when the community is not big yet and you don't get like, People don't understand our food yet. So um, I always dreamt of, okay, I dreamt it for somebody else. I dreamt it for my community. I dreamt it for my people, right? And because we know there's so much more for us. And the the longing in Seattle always made us uh, venture back to Vietnam. Or we would take short family vacation to Orange County to where you guys are at down there. And, yep. you know, the talk of every community is, well, we should go to Orange County, California to eat the best Vietnamese food. We can go to Houston, probably the second best Vietnamese food, and maybe San Jose, you know? But, you know, like, what the opposite, it rings true when people come to Seattle and who are friends of mine, and they would just make fun of the community. They, they would just say, <laughs> Like, man, you guys have nothing to do. It's just raining up there, you know? So they land, they do their business, and they they leave. Uh, and oftentimes, I take them to Starbucks Reserve 
Pike Place Market, Din Tai Fung, and that's it. You know, that's like that's all we got is Din Tai Fung and and uh, and Starbucks Reserve. Yeah. So, so it's. Um, Wait, what what were you doing when you had nothing to take people to? What what were you doing in your life to go? I noticed that there's a, a gap, a hole missing in in something to do as it relates to Vietnamese restaurants. What were you doing with your life? In uh, in 2008, uh, I was like 20, uh, 26 at the time. And uh, my family migrated from the U.S. Uh, uh, to the U.S., like in terms of my older, older siblings. And they didn't have jobs, right? The economy was going to hell at that time. Uh, we was facing that recession coming on, big recession. So I I started a small construction company, construction landscape company, for so that my my brothers and sisters, uh, my brothers could have jobs. So that you know that's a grind, but it made me it made me learn uh, to work with my hands a lot more. So in two thousand and twelve, uh, you know. I was getting better at, you know, construction, interior construction, building barbecues, building pergolas for people. So it was taking off and I had saved up a little bit of money. And, uh, you know, my sister had been sad at her job and she felt like she wasn't appreciated at her job. And uh, she ex expressed that at home. So I said, you know what, you know, if you don't feel appreciated at work, uh, let me build you something. So that's that 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 made me uh, build uh, the first Vietnamese restaurant uh, uh, that that I own, and um, I had bought over a deli, a small deli right next to my house. I thought it was convenient for her to work there. So when I opened it, you know, I had the basics: the kum tam, the pho, the uh, not basic Vietnamese, not like not like what we're known for, uh, not. Uh, obviously for urban may come tam bung mum you know i i wanted to give people everything uh and i quickly realized that like man this there's no margin in this business yeah if i'm if i'm giving people all of this love into the food and everything is like 8 9 dollars there's no way there's no way this margin especially how taxing it was for my sister and for the back of house help you know and we did well you know we was like sales was climbing above 2000 and I'm like for this tiny little shop we're doing $2,000 and yet I don't see any margin because wow. the work was right and that was the opposite of what I thought would be true I'm like man if I can you know do a thousand dollars in sales that's enough to pay my sister all I need is like five ten percent margin if I'm not doing anything and I'm tw I'm 29 30 years old at the time right and I I said, man, this is this is not it. You know, this is so I I did a quick research into uh, the restaurant industry to see what my peers were doing, what other people were doing. And I found out that Chipotle model, which is fast casual, was really booming at the time. They was growing like two, three hundred shops a year and their margins were great. You know, you want to learn from the best. So I'm always seeking out. Uh, knowledge, um, what you know, and I'm like, what is the Vietnamese community doing? You know, 
who's the Panda Express of the world, that is the Vietnamese brand. And back then, Pho Hoa was still uh, fairly big, right? But I've eaten at all the Pho Hoa that was around here. And I'm like, I don't really like this concept. You know, it was, it's my friends owned it and it's like a like a powder concept. You know, let, let me give you the seasoning and you would go do uh, open a franchise kind of idea. So I studied Chipotle, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more. And I thought that there's an opportunity for a Vietnamese fast casual restaurant. Um, so it took me quite a bit of time to get like a landlord to trust me. I came up with a business plan in uh, 2018, no, 2014, I found a location in downtown Seattle, close to Amazon headquarters. And uh, the seller had a Korean taco shop and um, he wouldn't leave, right? Unless the price was right. He knew that he had a great location. He just didn't have great food. So yeah, he asked me like for $220,000, uh, the space is 500 square feet on the corner of a building. Yeah. And uh, but and he had no lease. Right. He had nothing to sell. He was on a month to month lease. But in my mind, I'm like, man, you sit on a gold mine. This is in the heart of Amazon country. Uh, it was next to the busiest whole food in the country. So I, I did my research and I saw how much lunch traffic was going through through uh, Whole Food, and I said, if I even capture 5% of that traffic, I'll make my money back, right? I'm talking about thousands of people going into Whole Food every day for lunch. Uh, so I it took me two years to, act, to, to, to convince him to leave. I remember giving him uh, a contract for $165,000 uh, and giving him seventy-seven dollars upfront and asking him, hey, I'll pay you $4,000 a month if, as long as the landlord don't kick me out because you don't have any lease. So- But hang on, why yeah. would you strike a deal with the lease? Uh, why wouldn't you strike a deal with the landlord? Um, why would you strike a deal with the the leaseholder? I mean, I, it just doesn't make sense where um, you would pay that much cash just to get him out, right? Is that what you're yeah. doing? Because because he had the re the landlord had no reason to kick him out. He was still running a business there, and essentially I was buying his rights to the, to wow. to be in the space, right? But the landlord the landlord was this seventy five year old Turkish dude. He didn't believe in any leases, right? So he owned a building in the middle of the city, and it's all it's Vulcan, it's Par Allen, it's Bezos around him. He's the only little guy. And he wouldn't sell his building, right? He was like the, one of the owner operator left. And I got a chance to meet him. And I just said, hey, uh, why can't you give me a long-term lease? He's like, I don't like all the complications. You know, I'll just shake your hand. If you do what, if you pay my rent, I will never kick you out. You can just go ask any one of my tenants. That's just the way I do business. And I'm like, so I checked out his businesses, you know, the people there. Uh, validated for it. So I shook his hand. I said, I know I can get this money back quickly uh, if I had the right concept. And I have to believe in myself, right? So yeah, wow. me concept. Yeah, so in February 2016, 
February 24th. I mean, like I signed a, I, 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 I signed and bought the space like in January. Um, and um, February 24th, I remember we opened. Like, I mean, like everybody was saying, I'm crazy. Don't do it. Don't just throw your money away. You know, family, family, they don't, they don't see it. So um, it was just, I had to take a chance because being, being that I run a mom and pop shop and my numbers weren't great, you know, I had to build my, my credentials. So I was lucky enough to, 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 to be able to, to give them the 77,000. And I said, you know, let, I'll, let's do it. You know, did you and still have the sandwich shop one that you opened I with do. your sister? I do. Yeah. So to this day, I mean, like I made my money back in like eight months, you know, like at the Amazon one, at the Amazon one. It's so my, 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 my shop is called Vina Sun, like the, the taxi company in Vietnam, yeah. <laughs> but Sun, Sun with an O. So Sun okay. of Vietnam, Vina Sun, right? I love it. And yeah, I wanted to represent, uh, you know, everything I do, I, there's a lot of pride involved, pride, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't do it. Just, you know, uh, you know, I could open a bun me shop or I can open a burger shop kind of idea, right? I, I wanted to do something that I'm passionate about. So, um, I mean, we 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 got really lucky. We had our lines was like 30, 40 people long every single day. And, um, you know, I I just got really lucky that 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 location was booming like amazon was coming in this episode is brought to you by red boat fish sauce i love cooking with red boat because it's made with only two ingredients wild caught anchovies and sea salt this premium fish sauce is made in fukuok vietnam and bottled right here in california you can find red boat at select asian supermarkets like 99 ranch h mart and tong Fac. that 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 don't sound like luck to me man that sounds like some some big um courage because you basically said i'm going to give you 165 grand and i'm going to pay monthly off that's like a huge bet that that's not luck to me that that's something that is like the ability to see opportunity um and to go for it and to and now it makes me wonder how did you become like that how did you get to the point where you were trusting your instincts to go and go after something with high risk. Uh, 500 square feet is a tiny bed. <laughs> it's a bedroom. It and, is. And you can take 165 grand in a tiny bedroom uh, based on location. Yeah, man. It's So this building is weird. This building sits on a triangle. So like, so, so it's like, it's literally a triangle. So I knew I had a pickup window in the back. Mm. I mapped it out and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I can make this work, you know? And I've always, uh, up to my, I'm the youngest in my family, you know? And nobody in my family ever takes risk, right? Because, you know, I, I'm always the, 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 I'm a monkey by, by nature. So uh, when you have so many brothers and sisters always protecting you, you kind of dare to be, to be out there a little bit yeah. more, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, I always believe in like chance favoring the prepare mind kind of idea, mm -hmm. right? And so I'm always, you know, naturally we're Vietnamese. We, we run math is kind of in our blood. Yeah. So, so we're, we're constantly running numbers and it comes natural to, to, to just like, you know, if I can see 200 people a day, you know, at, 
a certain number, this is my rent, this is my margins, you know? So if I, I just got to do what I like, it's just a matter of, can I see enough traffic to go through this space? And, you know, we was really lucky uh, to be, to have the city booming, to have, um, you know, like at that time, you know, like a quick research back then show Chicago having like 22 skyscraper, like cranes going up in the skyscraper, right? And at that time, I remember reading a statistic that Chicago being number two in the country in terms of skyscraper, uh, in terms of uh, uh, cranes, right? Uh, yeah. Like really high cranes. And Seattle at that time had 65. Oh, wow. Yeah, we was one of the fastest growing city in America. So uh, just just being able to uh, to, to stumble upon statistics that, that just want to validate uh, your vision kind of idea, right? And I needed, I needed to talk myself into it because nobody else would, yeah. would, would, would nudge, uh, would, would nudge me. So yeah, that's that's it was just I was always operating on that mindset. And uh, so you, know, you, you kept the first Venus Sun, yeah, and you kept the second Venus Sun. No, I kept all five of them. I've uh, I grew, yeah, good more. Yeah, so every year I I built one one more. Uh, the construction background really helped. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, and then once I had the credentials, now the landlord was coming to me as opposed to me looking at looking for them, and you know they they started giving me tenant improvement money. You know, basically giving me favorable terms to come in, and I was very lucky. I the second one I I did it next to. Um, Amazon Fulfillment Center in the industrial zone. You know, I wanted to prove out my concept in three demographics, uh, urban area, industrial area, and suburban areas. So I said, if I can prove out my concept in three different demographics, uh, I have a chance to scale. So so I um, the second one I built in 2017, um, there was a lot of just industry people there that was more into I was next to REI, Amazon Fulfillment, uh, Bowen. Um, so these uh, these somewhat office workers slash industrial uh, workers. Uh, again, we had a line to the door every lunch. Um, so it was, it was. I saw that, you know, I I was doing something that that, that people would gravitate to. Very organic, you know. It's just like we just focus on really good food, really good ingredients making it look really nice, open kitchen. Uh, so it was newer to to have a restaurant be like, you know, really, really clean. That was my that was my focus. Having the kitchen be wide open so people can trust uh, not only the product, but the process. Uh, you know, you know, you always people, product, process. If you have those things in place. Um, so I I always uh, thought that we we had a very uh presentable uh you know system right um so did you go to b school i did did i like before construction yes i was i, I spent a few years in college i it's kind of like a dropout but you know i knew i knew that business those business classes will will come in handy you know yeah uh, everything yeah. you're talking about everything that i'm hearing is like not some random accident um but th there's another level to this conversation as well so it's the b school 
it's the construction. But when I look at the whole presentation of where we are today with you, anchovies and salt, there's there's a level of taste in the branding of what you've done with anchovies and salt that I recognize. Um, that you know, I I I'm I'm very surprised to hear five of the Venus Suns are um are you know sort of like uh the concept that you tried to do they they don't sound like they're up at that scale that that level of an anchovies and salt but the taste of the anchovies and salt from the the decor to the lighting to the way you shoot to the way you put your logos on the coconuts all of these details i literally thought came from a woman because <laughs> you know it has this very elegant soft touch and you know when we were emailing, I you know your name is Quing, but it, I thought it was Quing, and so I, I figured it's a very sophisticated lady, sophisticated woman. Um, but you know, you look like one of those guys I grew up with. You know, like you look like me, and I look like you. We we grew up in the same. It feels like we grew up in the same time. But the level of sophistication of your branding and your front-facing public persona of the restaurant is, um, you know, it's, it's just another level. So I want to ask you about that sort of how did you get to to understand how sharp the presentation needs to be to reach a level of where you're at with anchovies and salt? I, I think it, it goes back to just being being thinking critically, you know, like, I mean, I probably have to thank my parents for 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 always uh, setting high expectation for us, you know. You know, you know, in a Vietnamese family, we're always taught to be doctors and engineers and and and, and lawyers, right? So the critical thinking is big. Uh, so, but at the same time, you know, we we it's it's in our dynamic that we we all like to be business owners, um, and so you know, the lowest hanging fruit is always be doing something with your hands or being in the restaurant business, right? So. You know what? I had to be differentiated. You know, I obviously when you see a mom and pop shop and you see the struggle that they go through, I mean, it's well, being second generation here or first generation, however you classify it, it's you just don't want to go through the same struggle. If you like, you you can't can't just make the same mistakes or fall into that same um, uh trap if you say you know i mean like it's not necessarily a trap but it's just the fact that you know it's difficult um to 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 do it a certain way so for me i mean like i wanted a lot more for for us as vietnamese people it's like beyond like hey we're known for the cheapest food we got the cheapest banh mi the cheapest pho um because if i do that i'm just like everybody else uh, and I definitely, uh, you know, like when I when I when I look at the greats, uh, you know, like a Chipotle, they got to do something different. Right. Uh, there's not too many Chipotle or Panda Express out there. So there's a Taco Bell, for example, and there's a Chipotle. Right. I mean, they both worked. They both made it work. Right. But obviously I had to. I, I It's just it's just trying to be finding that differentiator. Now, when you um, got to number five, why don't you keep going and go the route of a Chipotle where you could just roll out and scale more? 
why did you end at five and then start to do a higher concept restaurant? That's that's a great question. I mean, like I, I always plan it, plan to, but going back to like when I first went back to Vietnam uh, twenty years ago, there's I looked at I looked at the post COVID uh, e economy in two different ways. Um, you know, I like I saw how DoorDash and and Uber Eats was coming in and how you know inflation was coming in and the margins were were getting thinner and thinner right and it's already a thin margin business to begin with and uh i looked at the convenience economy as being like extremely convenient one day right amazon fresh shows up to your house in one hour uh you can literally select any restaurant with your phone and the food will come right to your house and ghost kitchens were popping up everywhere and there was a lot of noise in the restaurant business so again, I, I look back and I said, well, we have, now the economy is going to too extreme. Like if I'm going to go out with my family, I need it to be an experience because I'm not going to go out and pay this inflated prices if it's just the same uh, same uh, strip mall food, right? Or And it's not enough of a reason for me to go out. So if I go out, I want to really have a nicer experience. So I call that the the convenience economy, and then there's an uh, there's an experience economy. Mm. And I thought I had I was positioning myself for both, right? Because my bowl, my phone, and is very very takeout friendly. It was very office friendly. I have a ready to eat bowl when you show up at work, a bowl of fuck kind of idea. And I'm like, I can run with that, or but you know, ten of those or twenty of those might be the equivalent to to one bigger restaurant, right? And when I say big, I was looking at Din Tai Fung uh, style type of big. And I was looking at Slanted Door uh, in, in San Francisco. Because in 2016, I, I, you know, I knew I knew they went viral uh, for being one of the best restaurants in the country. And Charles Fan is like, you know, so like I said, I, I always look up to the greats and, and see what they doing that differentiated them. And during my my during my, my 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 journey through Vietnam and just visiting all these restaurants, I stumble on like you know like Udam in Hanoi, which is a beautiful, humongous vegan restaurant. And it wasn't just the fact that they it was the way they presented real uh, food, but it's not even you won't even know it's vegan if you was looking at it because it's just mm -hmm. food, right? And the the class that they that that, that they was uh, uh, serving it with the, the the way they presented it the ambiance the feel, and I saw how Din Tai Fung is dominating this market up here. There's four Din Tai Fung in Seattle, right? Where there's probably only like I think there's one in LA, and I don't know that you guys have one in Orange County, but Din Tai Fung kills it up here, like. One here, hour line here too. Uh, yeah. One hour lines. There's one in Glendale, one in uh, Santa Anita, one in Orange yeah. County. Always packed. And then one in Glendale, they moved the, from a big location to a bigger location. It's crazy. They're doing, they're doing the same thing in Seattle. They went. From, they got four locations, and the first location went from 9,500 square feet, and now they moved down to a bigger space. Right. Uh so. To go back to it, it's like I saw this these numbers that they was uh, running, right? 
And when the opportunity came to 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 to, to be, it was like I have this. There was a competitor to Din Tai Fung from China. Uh, it was called a Black Rooster. And I'm excited because it's in my backyard. It's literally a few minutes away from my house. They have this beautiful space on the waterfront of Lake Washington, right next to a four-star Hyatt uh, Regency. And I'm excited. I'm like, man, I don't have to drive 15 minutes to get that Din Tai Fung. This, and this is different. It's called the Black Rooster, right? So I looked them up. And I was just following them, and I'm on the sideline just cheering for them because I I want I I like to have more availability in my in my community. And COVID hit them, and it was just dragging out, dragging out. And uh, I heard to the grapevine that uh, they wasn't going to make it. So uh, at that time. I'm exploring this experience economy. I'm telling my 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 friends is like, hey, if there's an opportunity, like you either go, you know, we we meet up and we talk. We, we're always shooting shooting the breeze when we're and I'm I'm sitting with all my buddies and I'm like I'm just giving them my two cents of of what I uh, what I think uh, this this is gonna go, and uh, they will all come into my city, which is a small city. Uh, on the suburbs of Seattle, right? Uh, we're anchored by Bowen. Um, so it's more like an industrial city, but it's up and coming, uh, very much so up and coming. And I asked them why they were op opening in Renton. And they're like, we love Renton and we think there's just good potential. And I was I was hanging out with them real late at night. And I, I was like, man, I, I would never come back to Renton to do business unless they gave me the waterfront. And right when I said that, I recall that I heard that they were they was uh, shutting down. So I text my agent and I, I asked her. I said, "Hey, um, uh, I heard Black Rooster is is closing." Um, and she goes, "Funny you text me because I just I got the lease. I, I, I'm a, I'm, and it's not public information yet, but I just got it like a couple of days ago." And I'm I'm a little I had well, one or two drinks in me right and I'm motivated I said I'll take it. <laughs> Damn, that yeah. is some crazy shit. That is amazing. And, so, and, and, and did you know the numbers? Did they give you the numbers? Well, not yet. But um, so so she said. So obviously she's excited. Uh, cause she you know being my agent. She always knew what I had in my up my sleeve, and uh, we. She's like, okay, you know, obviously we got to get. She's the representative side. She got to get the landlord to agree. So, uh, so, you know, for her it was awesome because now they double dipping. Her her company is the listing company, and I'm also her client. Yeah. So, um, so um, not that 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 it helps, you know, because. At the end of the day, um, we it took us a year to pitch the concept, to pitch the idea. Um, you know, they wanted high-end Japanese or high-end Mexican food in there. And, uh, you know, I, I put together my business plan. I um, just gave them my, 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 what my vision was for the space. And they loved it. Because right? they knew it doesn't exist. Uh, like... 
you know, it's hard to really put into perspective because we have a such common, um, well, I wouldn't say common is the right word, but uh, like we're so used to the perception of Vietnamese food being like one way, right? It's uh, where you hold the standard of somebody at uh, like a Brodard or somebody in, in in Orange County as being the default go-to, right? When I go down there, I used to go to artists for nhau food. Yep. I would go to up and lao for up food. I would go to Wang Hung for Kem Yadan and Brodard for the, the Nem Nung, right? And then there's a few care places. So you guys, you guys have all of the bases covered. Standardized. Yes. But I thought like, well, how about one place that had all the bases covered? Like a Wang Yes, like a Wang Hong, right? So I, I, I. I knew it was an endeavor, right? It's like, that's hard work. There's a reason nobody do it, right? And when we do, it's the pay has to be right for somebody to take that risk. So it would always be like a little bit of fusion, right? Like um, like a crustacean, an anki, uh, a, um, a slanted door where they would call it modern Vietnamese cuisine or French Vietnamese cuisine because it was it was... A, when you combine the best of two culture or three culture, it, it kind of it just tastes better, right? And it's well received. It's not judged because if somebody's doing fusion food, you don't really have nothing to compare it to. It's either tastes good or it doesn't. If you want to do authentic Vietnamese food, well, now you're going up against the grain because you're going up against mom's recipes, auntie's recipes, right? So, so I knew it's like I'm like, man, this is borderline stupid, but. <laughs> But, you know, but it's needed. Like, in my mind, I'm just like, I ask myself, okay, I'm going to travel the country. Where am I going to find food that made me taste like, it tastes like home, but elevated or, or like different, right? It's not a strip mall. And I always would go to Wang Hung in, 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 in California because it gave me that come yet then that gave me that com comfort feeling of going ăn can right? Uh, um, you know, mango, mango fi fried fish all of the nostalgic uh, Vietnamese dishes that you know that you only eat at home and it, it hasn't made a name it's fame to claim in the in the in the world yet and it's so I'm like well you know this is a big opportunity but it's you know it's how do you execute something like this right uh so but I knew I knew there was a demand because I said you know going back to Din Tai Fung I'm like man I, I've been here too many times. I'm tired of waiting in line for two hours, right? Every every Friday, every Saturday morning, every birthday, every Mother's Day, we're waiting in line for an hour just so that my mom can have a seat, right? And she won't go nowhere else because she knows that the Vietnamese places wasn't up to par. It was too, it was, you know, for lack of a better word, we, we don't put enough love into it, right? It's just, it's a matter of a business. It's, uh, and, it's you know, we've been here. It's a very practical thing to do to go to a Vietnamese restaurant is to get full off of good food, but it's not catering to the experience of a birthday or a celebration, an anniversary. Exactly. That so that's when I when I think I wrote to the VOF. It's like look, I, my mission is very simple: is how do I make a place where you are proud enough to take your mom there for you know. And it was like, if I can get your mom to show up just simply for the scene, for the culture, for the ambiance, the location, 
she feels good. She might not like my food, right? But if I could work hard enough for her to like my food, to put st a stamp on it, then there's no question that somebody else, uh, that everybody else will like it, right? Um, so I, I think I, I told, I, I said my mission is very simple: is how do I get parents to get out of the house to eat Vietnamese food? And you know, it's a joke among all of us. Is like among the Asian community in general that it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And that's why I said that's why the opportunity is really big. So like you don't, you know. You don't know how tired I am of showing up to waking up on a Sunday morning. And the only thing that that is available as an option is bacon and eggs and French toast or which the good places up in Seattle is still an hour away. Wow. Right? And then there's there's uh, Taiwanese or Chinese uh, um, um, uh, dim sum. Right. It's so it's so common that it's dim sum is not a brunch thing. It's just dim sum. You, yep. it's, a, it's a vocabulary and a category in itself, right? But there's really no third culture that really has stake a claim to that type of uh, type of uh, of where you said this is Vietnamese brunch, right? You don't call it dim tam or something like that, right? There's no culture that has been able to do that or has captivated the audience. You know, until Neb came along in Southern California. Man, you and, you say right? everything. You study right. all these restaurants. You uh, you know the ins and outs of all the California spots, like uh, bringing up NEP and key concepts and what they've done down here. It's uh, yeah, you you have to know the landscape very well to categorize all of these structural sort of uh, inner workings in the in the food space for for Vietnamese people. Without that knowledge, I I think it's hard to kind of define where you're gonna be. Oh. I, I needed to know my place, you know, and Neb is super, super awesome, you know, but, but even when I go there, you know that the demographic there is us. We are like, we, 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 we as a Vietnamese, we like that. We love on there. Right. And you go there. I remember waiting 45 minutes there and I'm just chatting with, with there's only two um, white people there and they came from a long way and it was, because it it still hasn't found Valley is very much Vietnamese, right? It hasn't kind of like, you know, you can be Asians and, uh, and all that, but Vietnamese brunch is still not at top of mind for mainstream America kind of there. And and I think they know that, right? I mean, like, like they cater to a very specific market, which is the Vietnamese tourist market, right? At 8.30, they are lining up. They open the door at 9 o'clock and everybody wants to get in. And so... We know that the Vietnamese community really loved this, which is why I, I said, okay, if I if I make Bonaire, I'm gonna introduce it to the Vietnamese community first. Uh, and being that it's next to the Hyatt, being that it's next to corporate, next to Bowen, people will see that, man, this place is big, it's beautiful, but it's full of Vietnamese people. It must be authentic. And I, that's why I, 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 I try really hard to stay away from anything that is fusion, even though modern cooking, you know, there's going to be touches in it that makes it, um, it has a lot of cultural influence, right? I, 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 a lot of people don't know. Go ahead, brother. So let me ask you this. I could hear your vision. You, the mark of success for you is will my mom and dad come with me to brunch on the regular? 
uh, on these big events like uh, birthdays and celebration. So your mark of success, it sounds to me, it's not a money thing. It's not. It's a very cultural mark. I want to see if I can get the approval from our first generation, our parents to, to show up and make it a regular thing. But I do have a question. That's your mark. But today, uh, I don't know how long you've been in, in, in operation, but do you find that it's more of the white community that's going to this beautiful restaurant or have you uh, got that even with the parents' generation, our parents' generation? Is it equal, like 50-50? Where does this sort of demographics uh, lie right now? You know, I, I would say right now it's, it's more so the Vietnamese community that's been supporting me, which has been, it's been amazing. Um, like, I, I haven't seen so many people come out of the house for so long. Um, you know, it's... The Vietnamese community here, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it tight knit, you know, but it's small enough to where you know when I make a splash this big, they know, uh, and it don't need to be in the Vietnamese newspaper or anything like that. But and I strategically, you know, I went right after the Vietnamese market first. Uh, it was just that was just my thing because um, most of my friends are Vietnamese. Word of mouth is gonna be there, and I went after the dishes I knew would touch there that, that, that like we're talking about soul food, you know, Vietnamese yep. soul food. Vietnamese soul food. And, and it, that was it. Like, uh, instantly they knew that I had things like cafe mom thumb at mm. night. Right. And I have mom thumb from Hanoi. So shrimp paste is, you know, like these are the things that people tell us never to put on the menu. Right. Cause it would scare this is stuff you can't bring to school, right? And my restaurant being anchovies and salt, I mean, like I have 10 different fish sauce. I have uh, mum name, which is anchovy paste. Um, bro, like if you come in and you look at it and, and you taste all the flavors, you know that I didn't dilute down one thing, right? Because I refuse to dilute it because it's like diluting the culture. It's appropriating my food, to kind of meet somebody else's expectation, but the expectation I'm going for is the moms of the world, uh, uh, the Vietnamese moms. This, so you can't, you can't play. You can't just have it be mediocre and get their stamp of approval. So I R and D the 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 the, the, um, the the sauces, right? And my mom had great uh, sauces. It's always been her best thing. Is her nước mắm. But then you know, and then mắm ruốc, mắm ruốc is like ubiquitous to pretty much all region. But in the north, they eat it very strong. They eat like a purple shrimp paste with the bung lao mam tam vong, right? And and I'm like, yeah, I'm feeding that to everybody. I, it's like, we, I can't be apologetic about the culture. Absolutely. And, and and represent culture, you know. So it's like, you know, if it people will see my the restaurant on the internet, for example, they're thinking, oh, it's fusion. It's too nice to 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 be Vietnamese. But the opposite is true because it's it's nothing but fish sauce and shrimp paste in in my space. That's kind of the foundation of everything I built it on. And that is sort of the vibe that I get. It's like the restaurants in Vietnam are unapologetic. You go into these big ones and it's decked out and it feels very luxurious. But then they're serving super traditional because it's their fucking country. It's, this is where they live. They're like, 
we don't give a we don't give a rat's ass about what you think about what we're serving. We're going to make it beautiful and we're going to deck it out and be decadent. And we're still going to serve the most basic uh, all of that stuff is um, or, or whack. You know, all of those things are still like these dishes in the rural countryside that is served in these high end restaurants. And then I think that's it feels like that's where you've gone with with anchovies and salt. But I do have a question about the head chef like did you have to find somebody or were you just working with somebody who's a gun for hire um gun for hires um so i always knew what my palate would be right during my travel i said well one if i needed a chef and i lose the chef what happens to my restaurant right you're right? yeah so it's like and how many chefs can cook food from all three regions yeah. of vietnam so our, our, our food is very sauce-based, very uh, recipe-driven. So I went out and um, I was searching for the youngest kid, the most, the, the one with the most energy, the most aspiration, the most uh, passion to represent their culture. And that's that was my goal during all my interviews. Is like these kids gotta have pain points. Like that they, they need to know that. Well, how come? I don't get to cook Vietnamese food, right? Because you know, if you go to a far restaurant, you're not cooking any Vietnamese food. So French trained Vietnamese kids, they're not going out to the world to cook Vietnamese food. They're cooking fusion at best, right? Uh so so when I when I put the ad up for to 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 uh well when I was hunting, I found found this uh this little girl, she's 27 years old, and she was working at um she was working at a uh, American place, and I she she had every, the home the menu was a hundred percent American except for the bonnet. She had, because her boss would allow her to put it on the menu because it was the most it was similar to American food, right? That is funny, <laughs> super funny. Yeah. So so I had a friend uh, told me, hey, there's this Vietnamese girl. She works here. You should, she's looking for something. You should go check her out. And then when I, I saw the bonnet on there, naturally, I, I that's the first thing I ordered. And I thought it had really good flavors to it. It was like, okay, uh, this is it, right? So I found, uh, you know, I got a chance to meet a really nice, young, young. And she's been through the ringer. You know, she's been through the the, the far shops, the, the the French restaurant. In her short six, seven years, she worked in almost all the restaurants. And she made her way up. And I'm like, you are ambitious. You work hard. I can see it. Because being 27 and running an American establishment is difficult. Um, but she was getting burned out there. So she was she was getting ready to leave. That's how that's how I got word of it. Um, so I brought her on. I um at that time I, I brought in another guy from Amazon. And he was from San Francisco. He worked, he came up here. He worked for like a fusion Vietnamese place. And uh, I I met him through friends of friends and he was the executive chef at Amazon. So he was cooking like in the cafeteria, making cafeteria food. And he was in corporate. So I I, I said, hey, you want to come back out to, uh, to uh, retail and do something special? Yeah. And he didn't have no Vietnamese flavor either. Like he was just eating like Vietnamese American food all his life. 
And he didn't learn in any Vietnamese setting to have that palate. But I said, don't worry about it. My mom will teach you guys everything, you know. Just go to my mom's house and we're just going to play with the recipe. We will R&D it. Um, but then I also brought, I brought, um, I have a really good friend uh, from Vietnam. And uh, he owns, he's young, 30-year-old kid. To me, he had the best palate of anybody I knew in Vietnam. Because when he took me to places to eat, it was all amazing places. Hmm. Right? It was like the flavor was where I'm like, damn, this is amazing. And he was he was blessed, right? This this kid is privileged enough to be able to travel the whole country and eat. He his family has restaurants. He he basically is their uh, culinary director. He tells the restaurant people what to cook, and he was able to replicate flavors really well. So he would often cook for me when I visit him. And like, you know, we go to Hanoi and I eat the best food and I'm in Saigon with him. He said, don't worry about it. We don't need to go to Hanoi. I'll cook it for you. And it would come out. It was like, I'm like, dang, this guy got, this kid has talent, right? He doesn't need to work for anybody, but he, cause he's blessed, but he has crazy talent. So I, I invited him over. I said, I need you to come over to the States for a couple months and just R&D the crap out of my team. So uh, we had three kids. We we brought on two more kids that were French trained. One of them came from Saigon when he was 17. So he had like the Vietnamese palate. One kid grew up in the U.S. and was working for like really nice American restaurants. And they when they heard me coming, they they was really passionate. They knew that they was going to they was going to come to me to get a job because they wanted to cook Vietnamese food. And when I told them Vietnamese, Vietnamese food, they was very surprised, right? Because for a lot of them, they've never even tasted these flavors. You know, like if you if you are 17 year old kid from Saigon, you don't really get to go to Hanoi to eat a lot, right? Especially if you're working as a chef, you know, you gotta be balling, you gotta have money to travel and eat. So a lot of them, they didn't get to taste any of these flavors yet. Uh, one kid knew the Saigon flavor well, the little girl was from Hue, so she know what Hue flavor tastes like. But none of them had, had ever had northern food. So luckily, my culinary director, the, the guy from Vietnam, he, he was born and raised in the north. But then they migrated to the south so that he had flavors of both regions. And uh, and I'm like, okay, we definitely can deliver all three three flavors if we are indeed this. And we just started with a... A big, really big menu, right? Just like, okay, how do we get it? What's the most popular? What what can we make the best? What can it? Well, how do we flow? You know, because it's the 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 flow inside the kitchen, as you know, is going to be super important. Yeah, so we were lucky enough to R and D, and my team is super young, bro. like wow. 27, 25, 25. Now, I want to ask you a little bit about your background. You sound like you are from a northern family, right? <laughs> So, but I have a feeling that your northern family uh, came down to the south in 1954, or I don't. I don't think you grew up in Hanoi, did you? No, no. Um, I'm actually from the south. My grandpa and grandma was from uh, Wee Young, Nam Dan. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah. Dan, yeah. And uh, but in '42, they moved to they moved to the south. So this is when my dad was only like four years old. You know, in 1942. And my dad is like 86 now. Uh so they uh I grew up in in, in the south. 
uh, I grew up in the U.S. technically because I've been in the U.S. for 30 years. But I, I just happened to, when I started this restaurant industry, uh, there's a lot of kids that come to work for me, you know, and they, they, they would ask for a job. Just more so, a lot of them just needed time to kill, you know, like they would be bored or just like, hey, I just want to learn to be in business. Can you give me a job so I can I can see what the day to day is like? And I more often than not, I became really good friends with them. Uh, so I married a, uh, a a Hui woman. So I'm always listening to Hui a lot of times. Uh, and then when I'm back in Vietnam, a lot of my friends are in the north. So I get to go up there a lot and just kind of absorb the culture up there, you know, so. But it's weird because uh, every time you speak Vietnamese, it sounds like a very heavy northern accent. But I know that very few people grew up in the north actually make it to the United States, you know, 30 years ago. Right. Because that's just the history. The history is everybody's moving out from the south. So, you know, anybody who's northern dialect speaking is typically from northern families that moved down to the south that escaped, you know, at five years old, 10 years old, like yourself. So, yeah. you know, it's always interesting, the Namdens or the, Buck, you know, Bucknins of the world, because my yeah. mom is from from that area. And I always notice a pattern that you never get anybody from the north that left in 75 to 85 or 90. It, it's impossible. They just didn't leave. So you get all the northerners that were from Binyung or, you know, all these places in the south that come over to the United States that retain their northern uh, dialect. Yeah. And actually, I I, I was I, I misspoke uh, quickly. I'm from Binden, and my chef is from Namden. Ah, oh, got it. His family is from Namden, which is uh, for a lot of people, I think uh, it's the origin of Fa. That's where Fa was founded. So that's why it was uh, tip of tongue. But I'm, my 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 grandpa was from Wenyang, and my 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 family we actually settled in Binyung. So that's <laughs> exactly it. That's the pattern, yeah. right? There's a pattern to all this stuff, man. It's crazy. The migratory patterns of the north, uh, because you go to actual areas of Binyung, right, in the south, and it's yeah. like it's all northern people. And you're like, what yeah. the hell? You guys have been here for 50 years and you still speak, you know, this heavy northern Hanoi accent. It's the most bizarre thing every time I, I, I encounter it. It's it's crazy. There's, you know, people that that I run into and are good friends with in Vietnam that speak heavy northern, but they were born in the south. Like, yeah. you know, they're 50 year old, 55 year old guys and born in the south. It's crazy, crazy stuff. Now, let me ask you about this idea of the biggest restaurant how do you know that this is the biggest vietnamese restaurant outside of vietnam you know it it was never the idea or nor the intention um i'm in construction uh so i built i've been building all my own restaurants so i i, I would, i'm reading blueprints and i i see my permit and it says max occupancy 441 okay right? and i'm like whoa that's that's a lot uh, so I quickly, I'm like, okay, I remember Brodard being pretty big, right? The new Brodard, uh, in, in Orange County. And I looked, I, I looked it up and I remember actually looking at it one time. It's just, these things catch my attention and it's 8,000 square feet, 297. Right. It ain't 400 it for sure. I was even just thinking 200, the Brodard yeah. first. Yeah, it's 200, but 297, including the people in the back, including the, the employees. 
because we're talking about fire department maximum occupancy. They, so the employees are included, right? So when when I I remember that and I said, well, I, I've been I, during my travels. The only thing I know of is La Colonial in San Francisco, Slanted Door in 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 San Francisco, and Slanted Door is 120 seats, mm -hmm. 175 max occupants. Yeah, I mean it's not tiny, but it's not as yeah. big as Brodard. No, and then I went to Anki in uh, is it Costa Mesa? Yep, Costa Mesa. Yep, and I looked them up, and I think they were like around six seven thousand square feet, and I've been to the crustaceans and I know that it's not that big. Yeah. So I'm like, the only thing left is La Colonial in San Francisco, which is 10,000 square feet inside, outside. They got that big on in the big patio up front. And when I dined in there, it felt claustrophobic inside. Very, this is not that small. big. Yeah. So I said, this can't be it. So then they opened another La Colonial in Atlanta. I've been to that one and that one is nice and beautiful. 7,000 square feet. Right. So I'm like, OK, this is all the biggest Vietnamese community in America. I went to Miami. There's hardly anything down there. I, and then I looked at New York at Indogene, New York, which no. is not even Vietnamese. It's French Vietnamese. And it's like 150 seats maximum. So I'm like, holy smoke, I'm at 441, right? Max occupancy. I'm like, what else is there? And I always knew Kim Sung was big. Kim right. And I like. Yeah, Kim Sung is like 35,000 square feet, three times my size. But I'm looking at them as a buffet. They have Chinese food. They have Japanese food. Wedding banquet hall kind of stuff. Yes. So I'm like, does that count, right? If you And when you have a banquet hall that caters dim sum or, or, or Chinese food, I, I think that should not consider as a Vietnamese restaurant, or especially if it's elevated or like a, a, a upscale dining establishment. Yeah. Right? So... I said, okay, that don't count. Some people might consider it, but I don't, right? So let's, for the sake of just finding numbers, then I looked up the biggest in the world, and I know in Sydney, Australia, the Red Lantern by Luke Wynn is like 270-something, and I can't find anything bigger than that. Mm. And I'm asking my friends in Europe, I'm like, what do you guys have that's big over there? They say, we don't have anything that's big that's Vietnamese, right? So, so I, everything I've looked at, I'm like, if Europe is a Vietnamese destination, so the only two places that I can't find information on is inside of Russia and inside of China, right? Because China, they don't really have a lot of public information on the internet. So everything I looked at, I'm like, there's no Vietnamese restaurant that is this big. So, you know, and I'm I'm skeptical to 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 run with it, right? Because because it 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 conveys. To some people, it conveys pride, right? This is a pride of a community. To some people, they laugh at it. They're like, well, how, how do you know? And and uh, that happened before, you know? And, and I'm like, well, I, I have to do my research, right? So um, I almost consider at one time I was going to put second biggest Vietnamese restaurant in the world. And then people would say, well, what's the first? I said, I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> That would be cool. That would be cool. You know, you know, uh, when I first heard of the biggest Vietnamese restaurant in the world, that I didn't think about any of the pride. I didn't think about any of that stuff. I didn't think about. I only thought about one thing. I was like, "How do you make a place that big not long, right? Yeah. Not watered down. Not 
yeah. you know, at, at an ele- elevated sort of uh, stance, how yeah. do you make it tight and how do you run it to where the flavors still hold after you're serving all these hundreds of people in? So I kept thinking about, um, you know, fine dining, elevated. How do you keep that level, that pacing uh, consistent at that at that volume? Yeah, that's that's a great question. That's the hardest thing, uh, which is why it doesn't get attempted. Right. Is you have to be able to like. I was very blessed that during all my construction years that I always run into trouble with architects and architecture because they would design, but they're not in the restaurant business. They don't think like a restaurateur. They don't think like an operator. They want to get cute most of the time. So when I designed this, I actually had a, a, a map in my mind and I, I, I intentionally hire a Bulgarian architect from 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 uh, from the Las Vegas. I just told him, I said, look, man, I just need you to do what I tell you and lay this out for me with this vision in mind. You might not get all the, the aesthetics, the, the the nuances, but we'll get there when we need. We'll cross that path when we get there. So I got this young architect that I was introduced to. I saw some of his work. I said, design this in a way where. It represents Vietnam. I want all seven, eight regions of Vietnam here. I got Saigon. I got Bana. I got Da Nang. The bars, Da Nang, the main banquet hall, Saigon, obviously for scale size. The kitchen is the Bana kitchen. The the the, the VIP room is a Hoi An lantern room. I want. I built it into a beautiful lantern. Uh, the upstairs mezzanine overlooking the water. I want it to the, be the Hoi Imperial Lounge. Say make it look make it look like it's imperial, and then the north end of the restaurant, I want a private room for Hanoi, Sapa, and Halong Bay. And my restaurant is super long; it's like almost two hundred linear feet, and I broke it down into three sections: uh, Saigon, uh, Central, and then North. So that when you walk through the space, every corner feels warm. Every corner feels uh, you see culture everywhere you go, and it needs to be that that part of the culture, right? So in Saigon, I would have uh, just a lot of craftsmanship that that that, re- that, that goes back to, um, you know, let's say uh, old school Vietnamese, right? I have uh, um, a picture of Nhà Thờ Đức Bà, the Notre Dame Cathedral. I have uh, a picture of Bến Thần, right? Uh, Bến Thần Market. And then I would just have things like, you know, um, Feng Shui stuff that would kind of represent, oh, this is like a, you can tell this is an Asian Vietnamese restaurant right away. And then, um, so the space, like you, I mean, like, I think that's what, we have all this space and we can only have 20 people and it will still feel busy because it's sectioned out to where, Mm. you know, I always knew that it would feel weird if this restaurant, if you had a banquet hall and there's only 10 people sitting in there, it would feel really weird. So <laughs> it needed to be sectioned out to where like, okay, you know, if you sit in the big ballroom, there's a lot of distraction. You're not, if you have five people, you're still looking at the whole lake. Mm-hmm. So your mind is not how slow this restaurant is, but you enjoying the lake view, you know? So like, to be fair, like we have, we lucked out on probably the most beautiful property you can have in Seattle. Like I have, a hundred seats on the water. Wow. And I'm talking about the boats, they pull right up 
and I can serve you on your boat. You get three hour parking. There's like, I have a cruise ship that is like, no, not a cruise, a yacht. The biggest yacht that ever pulled up is 110 feet, like a super yacht almost, right? 110 feet. And they just pull up right to the restaurant. That is like, how do you get that, right? And the 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 hotel is the one of the fourth most busiest hotel in the whole country. Oh wow! Hyatt Regency because it's on the water. Um, the park right next to me is like the central park of of, of Renton. It's like the population that goes there. There's like two three hundred parking and it's always packed. So like just just I'm like this this and it's in the neighborhood where it's very inclusive. Where the, the 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 income is not like you don't feel like you can't breathe. You walk in there, everybody belongs there. There's kayaking, there's paddleboarding, there's ice cream. Uh, you know, it's it's like you go. There's a kids playground, so you go there, and I'm like anybody walks onto this dock and this waterfront, you will feel like, oh man, this is a nice place to hang to bring my family. You won't get looked at in a way where it's too rich or too poor. Right. You know, you, but you're not also not at the same time watching your back be like this, it, it, you know. So it's it's waterfront, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then we're anchored by uh, Boeing factory. So you, when you walk out my door, you see all these Boeing airplanes. Mm. Like we're talking about all the seven thirty sevens, right? Direct. Uh, and so it's like location wise, you just can't. There's no way you can beat it in terms of how inviting it is. Right. Um, so it, I knew I, I when I when as big as it is, I'm like, you know what? This will put Vietnamese restaurant on the back because and I'm 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 less than 15 minutes from the airport. So all the pilot, they stay at that hotel because Alaska Airlines. So I'm like, OK, stewardess is going to come. Pilots is going to come. If they post about me, it, it, their audience is national. Their audience is global. Their audience is not Seattle. So I had that advantage to, to, to like all these travelers. If they were to check in or post anything about us, it has a national reach immediately. So even during my 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 R&D, I would fly it. Uh, I would invite my friends from New York, like Chef Helen Nguyen at Saigon Social. I, I invite Nikki Tran from Houston. I invite Andy Nguyen from 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 Orange County. You you probably know Andy real well. So I said I said, look man, I need you guys to tell me what my missing links are. What do you guys have in New York? What do you have in Houston, and Orange County of of all people, right? I I invite as much people from Orange County as I can up here because I want to tell them, look, I think what I have is differentiated, right? I have I have one whom but on a whole different level, right? <laughs> and that's what Andy told me. He goes, I've lived here. Th I live in Orange County all my life. I've never had this food. I, I said, I said, yeah, I mean, like, I go down there and I search for this food and I couldn't find it, right? So, so it's like, that's one of the reasons I, I wanted to invite them up here to see what it is that I thought that everybody was missing, Right. Like one hung when you go there, you're gonna get catfish in your kakoto, right? And I said, well, that's too easy because anybody but is the like if somebody with a more refined palate who got a bigger pocket, do they want to eat catfish? Right. Or right. do they want to eat 
sea bass or, yeah. or, or black cod inside their cacao, right? Or I ask myself a simple question, right? I ask, I, I, if I was to put a catfish and a black cod and it's my mom's birthday, right? Which one am I cooking for my mom that day? I'm going to do the black right? cod. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why, that's the level of elevation I'm referring to when I said, okay, if we're going to cook, if I'm going to do baluk lak and I have the the, 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 the cheap two ninety nine cut or I got the wagyu, I'm going to use wagyu to feed my mom. I'm not going to give my mom the cheapest cut out there. And that's where we put that love into the food, but don't dilute the flavor. It's like, it's like you can't make go bad if you use black car because it's so rich and it's so bell. So, you know what? That's that's during R&D. It's like if I'm going to do catching uh, mom's side, I was already in R&D and halibut, yeah. halibut cheeks, sea bass, local link cards, right? All the Because I'm a big fisherman, so I'm like, okay, where's my king salmon, my coho salmon, my steelhead? I'm bringing all of this Northwest flavor. So even when you come from California, you be like, oh, man, you guys got a lot of salmon up here, right? Like like I needed Orange County people to see that well, we have we, we don't see a lot of link cards because that's mm -hmm. more like Bay Area. Right, because you don't catch a lot of them down in closer to the warm water of of, of, of Mexico, or if you you come up here, gooey duck is a lot cheaper than it is down in in, right. in San Francisco. Spotted prawns, you know. So I'm like, you know what? I can go the route of Auckland Lao and give people nostalgic Auckland or Auckland Sauer, but I'm like, man, those things are frozen, right? They they're like they're frozen, and it's a lot of work just to bring the flavor to be like. Uh, what you want it to be, right? Because you have to wash it like 10 times before you serve it. Where if I get something fresh out of the Pacific Northwest, I don't have to do anything to it. It's going to taste amazing. So I wanted, I didn't want to go the route of being an up and low. I wanted to go the route of like, okay, I want to be the freshest seafood. I want to be like a Joe Crab Shack, right? If you come up here and you eat food, even if you come from Vietnam, you're like, well, I never get to eat this in Vietnam because that's so when you, you know my menu for my finger food menu is gonna be gooey duck, Northwest razor clam, it's gonna be Northwest scallops. You know, there's things that we have. Like I, I have this thing I, I'm so excited to put on the menu. In in Washington, there's a scallop called singer scallops. It's pink. And it's very difficult to get because they live at 200 feet or or below. But they uh they move through the water because they sing like this. So they move because they propel by blowing water out of the shell. Wow. So that, and it's pink, right? And you almost never see it on the menu because divers are afraid to go that deep. Yep. So in Washington, as as a as a shrimp fisherman, I would catch it accidentally in my shrimp pods. So that's how I would know that these things exist and they are really good, right? And I I would read up on it and seasonally there's some companies that would offer it you know so just like things like that just to to be able like even the people my own community whether they are white or they are vietnamese they don't know that these pink scallops yeah. exist so it's we have so much abundant of natural resources and i just you know just imagine doing that with my a vietnamese scallion and mm. and and some some uh, fish sauce right yeah so that that's that's my that's kind of my goal with 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 the finger food aspect of it, you know, because we 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 gravitate to that when we want to have a beer or a cocktail. And I'm on the waterfront with with cocktails and and a bar that opens up to the water. Uh, so 
you know, not that's not like the main focus of the menu. At the end of the day, it's still like come yet then with black heart, right? Or it's ramung sao, uh, or or it, it, it's kanjur with uh, king salmon from the northwest. The dish is still has to be extremely Vietnamese, right? And I'm sure we've all done kanjur with ka, ka salmon at home, but really nobody sells it in the in the in 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 the restaurant because they know the margin's not going to be there if you sell king salmon. Right, Queen. I um again, you know, I started by saying that I, you know, I was coming for one thing and I got another thing. You know, I got this uh huge vat of knowledge and information about uh you know the way an elevated. I usually always ask chefs and people who come on the show, you know, why things can't be priced. Uh, but it's like I don't even need to ask that with you. And I came to this realization today that the future is here. And what I mean by that is that I've been asking, why can't we charge like the French and the Italian? Why can't we like raise our prices? But now we're here. We are here. The, you've elevated it. You've put us in a space where we can proudly say, okay, look at anchovies and salt. Look what, look what they're doing. Look what Gwing is doing up there. So I dream of one day coming up to, um, to Renton and, and going to the restaurant. And I hope that all of the Vietnamese American, you know, public know about this restaurant because, you know, it's a, it's it sounds to me like something that is, um, again, like I said, it was the standard was like I was I was trying to attain it for our community and and seeking out where that point of excellence is, and I think we we're 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 at the point in the in in the history of our future that we're now arriving at this place where anchovies and salt is sort of like that flagship marker that we've um, we've hit. And this is based on not just uh, me reading about this, but me hearing other members of the Viet Leaders Forum talk about it. So I want to thank you for your time today and thank you for, you know, going so in depth about the food uh, business with me. And thank you, brother. It's, it's my, my, my privilege to be able to share it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Vietnamese with Kenneth Nguyen. Special thanks to Brittany Tran, to Jane Nguyen, Catherine Nguyen, Tina Pham, Sydney Jamie, and Crystal Trin. Please find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at The Vietnamese Podcast.